0: Wonderful to be with you again, and uh, Lord's blessing on you and your your uh, future uh, here in Chalmers. So let us uh, let's just pray, Heavenly Father. Now, as we come under Your Word, under its authority, we pray that You will, by Your Holy Spirit. Work so in our hearts, our minds, that there would be full surrender to you. And Lord, that you will change us to become more like your son. Thank you for these dear people, Lord. Encourage them in their faith. May the power of your Holy Spirit now work in us Lord, remove the distractions, the fears, the anxieties of our hearts and minds. And Lord, help us to place ourselves now before you. In Jesus' name, amen. We're back into Matthew. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, and what I think I'll do is I will read the Beatitudes today, but we are going to look at being salt and light in this world, okay? Verse 2 of chapter 5 of Matthew, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. who is in heaven. Lord bless his word to our hearts. When Jesus uses the word you here. He is using it in a plural sense. It's not a one person singular. I can't say this is just for Barbara. This is for all. that All the you's in here. In the King James Version. Uh, they had the word ye, and that is a plural you. And uh, if you lived in the southern part of the States, uh, they might say you all. But in English, we have no now a word that means you plural, even though in languages like Hebrew and uh, Greek, there is this you plural. And that's important for a number of reasons. Uh, The you here that Jesus is talking to are the disciples. And you are all his disciples. It's not just a particular person. It is all of you. And that's important. Do you know that God looks at chalmers church as an individual entity an individual church in this world now i can say that because the bible of course uh, 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 displays that in the book of revelation you have letters to seven churches and in each of those churches jesus Uh, exhorts them, encourages them, and rebukes them for what they are doing. He looks at each individual church and you as a group. He encourages, he rebukes, and he exhorts. Uh, You are, as a group, responsible before God for what goes on here. Our society is very much uh, individual-oriented. And uh, and I believe that's really hurt the church uh, today. We are to see ourselves as being one among many. We're not to see ourselves as the only church that matters. Obviously not. But we are to see ourselves as a group that God looks overall and sees what we are teaching, what we are doing, um, uh, what we are not doing, and uh, he sees uh, what, uh, who we are in this world. So he's watching you as a church. And that's an encouraging thing, as well as a thing that makes you go, oh, <laughs> Uh yeah. I'm a part of this group. So all of you here are a part of this Chalmers Church. And you're responsible towards each other. It's not just about you. It's definitely not about me. And, uh, but it is about the group as a whole, as well as you individually. Second, the word you is emphatic in the Greek. It's you. And you alone. You alone, of all the people in this world, you alone are the salt and the light. Jesus has chosen you to be the salt and the light in this world. We can, in other words, depend on no one else to do what we have been called to do. We are the salt and the light. Now, when I think of that, Jesus saying that, and I include myself in that salt and light, I, I really, at this stage in my life anyway, uh, maybe when I was younger, I thought it might have been the gift of the world. I don't know, but right now I don't. I, I think, Jesus, aren't you scraping the bottom of the barrel here? Like, I don't feel like salt or light to anybody. Nor do I feel I could ever be salt or light to anybody. You know, it reminds me of the story of Moses. Because you might be one of those people that are reluctant to be uh, salt or light. Uh, but you are. But it reminds me of the story of Moses. Uh, and you'll find that in... Exodus chapter three and four. Moses is told by God at the burning bush, he says, I want you to go into uh, Egypt uh, from the land of Midian. He's on Mount Sinai and he's supposed to go to the land of Midian or go from the land of Midian to Egypt, God has told him and he's going to be used of God to deliver the people of Israel out of slavery, out of Egypt. And you, you might think that, hey, Moses might say, yay, you're going to use me. But in my, uh, Exodus 3 and 4, you begin to see a most reluctant Moses. Uh, he wants to change God's mind about this. He doesn't think he's the one that needs to go or should go. Uh, he'll say things, well, you know, if you send me, uh, those The Israelites, they're not going to believe that you sent me. Like, who am I? And uh, God still says he's going to do certain miracles that the people will believe who he is. And then he goes, well, i who am I to go before Pharaoh? I mean, he's not going to believe some shepherd from who's living in Midian, like, who am I? And God gives him another few encouragements to go. And finally, in the end, he, Moses says, you know, send somebody else. Because I can't speak well. I'm slow of speech. When you think of Moses You know, if he hadn't said that, you would never think he was slow of speech. Sometimes I'm slow of speech. So I always identify with Moses in this way. You know, he's, Lord, I'm very slow of speech. You know, I'm not a good speaker. Send someone else, please. That's what he's saying. And God doesn't change his mind. Because God had chosen him to do that. And God has chosen you, in Chalmers, to be the light and to be the salt. Being light or salt and light uh, implies very strongly that we as believers are different in the eyes of God than the rest of the world. In 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter says, says to the believers he is writing to, Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you a sojourner, as sojourners and exiles. And in Hebrews chapter 11, which is the hall of fame of Believers in the Old Testament, he calls them strangers and exiles on the earth. Now, the point of all of that is, and you've probably felt this as a believer, because some of your desires and wants are very much unlike that in most of the world. We are different that way. Described as strangers, aliens, <laughs> E.T. go home, and, and uh, exiles on this earth. We're passing through. We don't, we're in the world, but we are not of it. That's the way we are described in the the scriptures. And you might feel at times alienated from those whom you once hung out with. That is the normal feeling of all believers sooner or later. But having said that, we are it. We're the ones whom God has chosen. Now, it comes to me as no surprise that this verse come these verses come right after blessed are the persecuted. If God through Christ saves us, changes us, and now we are persecuted, what good is that? What benefit is that to the rest of the world? The fact is, we are it. We are the salt and the light. Well, if we're the salt and the light, why are they persecuting me then? They're driving me away. But Jesus says, nonetheless, you are the salt and light of this world. What a blessing it is that we have been conferred upon each of us, to be this salt and light. But oh, what a responsibility, and for me this morning, what's even greater, is oh, what a possibility we have as believers. If Jesus says we are salt and light, we are. Nothing in this world will change that. That's amazing encouragement. So let's just have a look at these two metaphors of salt and light. Um, now there's, if you look at different scholars who have worked in the, uh, on the word salt, uh, you will find difference of opinions on what it refers to. Some think it's just about being uh, of taste, others think it's... Uh, I actually heard one man uh, who looked at it from agriculture and uh, in the soil uh, apparently in the Middle East he said uh, that they had to add salt to the to their uh, plantings in order for things to grow better oh well, here we would think you put salt in it would ruin <laughs> uh, the crops but uh, he had this, this man was a Theologian from Dallas Theological Seminary. I don't know about that. I I do know that salt is used uh, throughout the world as a preservative, it preserves meat from getting rotten. And in some sense, you as a believer and you at Chalmers here are salt. You have and the ability that has been given to you by God, and this is the way I take it, that you, we as believers, have a preserving quality. We prevent rot, moral corruption. Your influence in this world isn't as small as you might think. It's greater than you think. You have the ability given to you by God, and I'll explain a little bit of this more later, to prevent moral corruption from worse decay in this world. And I... have I find that hard to believe, but it's true. And I'll talk about that later when I talk about revivals. Uh, Having said that, each of us can miss our opportunity. We can spoil our opportunity to be that to the world. Jesus says, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. The only way salt can lose its saltiness is if it's leached out into other uh, particles like sand or whatever. I'm not sure how all that works, but it, it would be contaminating that salt that it no longer can preserve. And if that's the case, uh, it would speak to us as being so contaminated with this world's moral corruption that we lose our opportunity to bring that taste, (laughs) to bring that preserving quality into the world. Our ability to help help the world is gone. And it's not hard for me to envision, because of persecution, that we are at least tempted to act like the rest of the world in order that we would be accepted. But Jesus would have us do it the other way. He would have us to be salt in order that we would affect the world in that way. In the light metaphor, Jesus appeals to what makes only good sense. If he has made you light, he's made you light to shine into the darkness of this world. I'm told by a scholar that the, I was going to bring a little uh, uh, oil lamp. They put olive oil in a little lamp with a wick, little clay thing. That's what the poor used to use. And the cost of the oil was fairly expensive for uh, poor people. So you would not buy oil, light a lamp, and then cover it up. That would be foolishness in their sight. And Jesus is uh, pointing or poking at your good common sense and he says, no, you want it to be seen. The message here is that you will be seen. It's not a matter of us going out and saying, look at me, look how good I am, whatever. It's not that at all. Just living the Christian life will be light to this world. They need our light. The wonderful thing is God has chosen us and thereby will use us. It's a wonderful opportunity that we have, that you can be light. Now, you have to ask yourself this question. Am I hiding my light to the rest of this world? Or am I trusting that God will use me to be light in this world? that I can affect it in a good way. So what is the light that Jesus is talking about? What's the salt? He says in verse 16, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. Now let me ask you a question. You can answer this out loud. When you think of good works, what do you think of? Helping others. Anybody else? Giving. Giving. Things of charity and so forth. That's what you normally think of is as good works. And that's true. It's <laughs> very powerful to the rest of the world. But it's more than that. And I would suggest to you this morning that the Beatitudes that you've just looked at through the last number of months, being poor in spirit, being meek, humble, being pure of heart, being merciful, uh, hungering and thirsting after righteousness, when you put all of those together, those are good things. Those are good works that the world needs to see in us. And blessed are the persecuted. Yes, persevering through persecution is a good work. Jesus would say when he was asked, what must we do to do the works of God? And Jesus would reply, believe in the one whom he has sent. Believing in Christ is a part of that good work. Proclaiming the gospel is a part of that good work. Along with, if you like supplemented with, doing good things for others. It it will include in the rest of this sermon on the mount from chapter 5 right to the end of chapter 7, it will include things of being in control of your anger, being uh, not lustful. It will, co- it will include being people of integrity, watching over your marriages, not being people who are given to uh, retaliation. Uh, it will include not being a hypocrite. It will include giving. It will include not being overcome with anxiety, but trusting in the Lord. It will include trusting the Lord. It will include... Uh, not being overcritical of others. It will include loving others. All of that is in the Sermon on the Mount. And all of those are good works. But what is the purpose of those good works? And if you can remember anything about me and any of my messages, this is what I would want you to remember. Jesus says this. So that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. The, real, the reason why we were created, the reason we exist is to glorify God. That is your purpose in life. And our good works are to bring him Glory. That is to what we are all about. We see, and he deserves that, one, as we were singing today uh, so wonderfully, uh, open the eyes of my heart, Lord, that I might see you, see you high and lifted up. We want to glorify our Father in heaven who has first of all created us and not only created us but redeemed us through the blood of his son, our Lord Jesus Christ. When we think of him as our creator and our redeemer, our sustainer, our righteousness, our holiness, when we see him, the great forgiver of our of our sins and the lover of our souls. When we see him in such a way as that, we bring him the glory that is due to him. That we might live not for self, self self-glory, not live for self occupation or self-absorption, but to live for him is the life that we are all called. And we bring that to the world. We alone, you alone at Chalmers, are the light and the salt of this earth. And he has empowered you to do this. Now, I mentioned revival before. Revival in the church is not revival meetings. Having a tent meeting, that's not revival. They are revival meetings, yes. But real revival, an outpouring of God's Holy Spirit upon communities, have happened throughout the history of the church. And when it does, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people are saved. When I was over in Ireland, I was at the 150th anniversary of what they call the Ulster Revival. And it went from there, it was in Scotland, it was in England, and in the States as well. A great movement of God. There was one in the early 1900s in Wales. It, that movement of God where there's people coming to Christ, and they're turning their hearts towards him, has such a miraculous effect on society. In Wales, they had, as well as Ireland, the lack of crime after the revival had such an effect that they had to lay off policemen. They were the salt of the earth, the light of the world. What the world needs, more than anything else, is the gospel. And it needs the gospel to reach people that they might get saved. That's what the world needs. More than anything. Yell and shout at governments and the whole works. Church, we have a calling. We are the lights of this world. We have been enabled by the power of the Holy Spirit to be that light and that soul. We can do it because he has chosen us to do it. Don't see yourself as so small and insignificant that you cannot affect this world. Jesus says you are. You will. Follow him. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this is a huge responsibility, but oh, what a blessing, and oh Lord, what a possibility for us. Now, Father, we want to be what you called us to be. We want to be salt. We want to be light. And, Lord, as we look at our world with so many problems with it, so many fightings, fightings in marriages, in homes, in, in our country, in the world, Lord, so much distress within it, Lord, we know it needs salt and it needs light. So help us, dear Father, we pray, to be what you've called us to be. I pray that you will help chalmers now. Lord, that they would be an even greater light than they are now. In this surrounding area, that there would be a movement of God that you will use this church to reach dozens and dozens of people with the gospel. And Lord, when the world sees sees us, may they see a people who are pure, holy, set apart for yourself lights in this world, salt in this world. Help us in Jesus' name. Amen.